football, <laughs> baseball, <laughs> basketball, anything sports. Auburn's 91.1 FM WEGL presents the scoreboard with your co-hosts, Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Your calls are welcomed at 334-844-9345 or follow them on Twitter at Jacob underscore Hillman 3 or at Bay underscore Marks. Now, let's take a look at the scoreboard with Bay and Jacob. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the scoreboard on WGL 91.1 FM. I am Baymark, sitting alongside Jacob Hillman, as usual, on this disgusting rainy day here on the Plains. Understatement. Very under, very much of an understatement, as classes were canceled for the most part today. Disgusting. I mean, it was cold, it was dangerous, wet, it was dangerous last night. So It was, but we're glad everybody's safe, and we're glad that you're joining us here on the scoreboard, WEGL 91.1 FM. If you want to call in and be a part of the scoreboard, call in at 334-844-9345, 334-844-9345. Before we get started, shout-out to Keith Marks, my dad, listening from Birmingham, Alabama. I think he is at work right now, so shout-out to you listening, Dad. And also Jack Hart, our production manager in the studio next door, listening to us as well. We're going to go ahead and get this thing kicked off, Jacob Hillman. Yesterday was National Signing Day, and I think it's lost a lot of its luster due to the fact of their early signing period in December. But Auburn did add three new early signees uh, to a loaded class, probably one of the best under Gus Malzahn that we've seen in his tenure. Yeah, no five stars, but I think like 16 four stars. That's really good. And you bring in a few JUCO guys, uh, especially the two yesterday, the two defensive linemen that are JUCO. That's a big deal to help replace Marlon Davidson and Derrick Brown because you really just don't know what you're going to get out of these younger guys that are going to be stepping into these roles that they are uh, that you're that you need them to fill. So it's big to have those guys to lean back on just in case they don't really live up to expectations and you need someone with experience to step in. So I, I, I'm very pleased with the signing class and what Auburn did. Like I said no five stars, but you can't you can only take what you can get. And 16 four stars is fine. No, yeah, I agree. It was a great class, and I like the point you make about. Uh, the defensive line being reloaded. I'm looking right now on my phone trying to find uh, a tweet. I believe it was one of the Auburn beat reporters, and if I find it, I'll give him credit for it later in the show. Um, but they were talking about how, yeah, Auburn's losing not only them two that you mentioned, Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson, but they're also losing Nick Coe, who early in his Auburn career did contribute, and that's just another body up front that Auburn uh, is used to having. But he is gone as well. And uh, not only the three new additions with two being – uh, defensive lineman, one of them being uh, a highly touted tight end out of Texas, Mr. Brandon Frazier, 6'5", 237 body out of McKinney North High School. Uh, he signed yesterday as well. Um, so that, those, those were the three big names that added to Auburn yesterday. But I think the biggest headline coming out of Auburn, Alabama yesterday, Jacob, was the departure of Jartavius Booby Whitlow, Auburn's number one running back. He is going to enter, enter the transfer portal, and it sounds like he has no plans uh, of returning, which, I mean, I don't think anybody really – has plans of returning once you enter the transfer portal. Yeah, I don't think this is one of those things where he's just kind of looking around. I think he's looking for a new start and what he what he wants to wants to do something different in the future. He wants to be somewhere else where he won't be splitting carries. He he won't have to. And I know this sounds like that he wants to outwork anyone. Yeah, like that's not what I mean. Like I know he wants to work hard and do his best, but he's got a lot of competition back there. Yeah, it's going to be a tough job to win, no matter who you are back there. So. I understand where he's coming from to go in the transfer portal and look elsewhere. We'll see where he lands, but this whole backfield is still very crowded. No, yeah, and, yeah. That, and that's probably the biggest question going into spring practices. 
who's going to be the number one back, which I think this will be another case of similar to last year with the quarterback situation. You have multiple football players that are capable of filling that role. I don't. I guess you could go ahead and make a case for legs up on each other because um, when you look at it, Jatarvis Whitlow in his two seasons at Auburn had 1,500-plus uh, rushing yards and 16 total touchdowns, um, so that'll be a big void to fill. But when you look at Auburn's running back room, especially from last year, you have J- Jatarvis Whitlow, you have DJ Williams, Cam Martin is gone, you have Sean Shivers, a returning junior, you have Harold Joyner, a returning redshirt sophomore, Malik Miller, who I believe it'll be his uh, redshirt senior year, yeah. and then you have the likes of Mark Anthony Richards, who is coming off of injury, as well as the nation's number two running back, Tank Bigsby, coming into the class. You don't really have any experience back there. Malik no. Miller, I guess, but he didn't, he was not an every down, he hasn't been an every down back. He's only come in on third down situations, pass blocking situations, and goal line situations. So you don't have that guy that's played as an every down back in the SEC yet. Obviously, we saw Sean Shivers, what he can do against Alabama. We've seen Harold Joyner catch passes out of the backfield and run the ball a few Which times. Which might become his role. Yes. Yeah. And DJ Williams had a uh, about a three-game stretch where he was really getting the ball and, and doing well with it, but we haven't seen him put together a full season. It's going to come down to DJ Williams and Tank Bixby. I, I agree. Unless Harold Joyner or, or Mark Anthony Richards really makes a name for themselves in spring practice, I, I don't see it being anything other than a one-two punch from those two. Sean Shivers is still going to be that change of pace guy. He might get more carries because he's one of the more experienced guys on this team now, but I don't see him being the every down back. Yeah, and you look at it, I, the thing you have to remember last year as well, people are like, well, DJ Williams was came, came in as this highly tied running back and he didn't play. Well, you have to remember he got hurt at the beginning of the football season. Um, so he was limited only 400 rushing yards, only had two rushing touchdowns on the year. And then you look at I think I agree with you with Sean Shivers being the change of pace kind of guy. Last year ran for just under 300 I think the only argument I would make would also maybe putting Mark Anthony Richards up there as well with giving him just as much as a fair shot as Tank because he doesn't, he doesn't have any college experience either. But I, I I do like the point of Tank Bigsby coming in. I think he's a bigger guy. He's stronger. And he's Gus Malzahn quoted, he's the guy that has the ability to take it to the end zone every time he touches the ball. Now, the what I will say is that we don't know what this offense is necessarily going to look like. Gus Malzahn said in his presser that Chad Moore's going to be looking to throw the ball to his running backs more. So that's going to be a lot of touches for Mark Anthony Richards because obviously Bigsby and Williams are bigger guys that are, that are going to be able to run through the tackles. Mark Anthony Richards is a smaller guy who's Outside got some agility, the yeah. who's going to be able yeah. to make guys miss. He just needs one or two blockers in front of him, and he's going to be able to possibly house a few screen passes or swing passes. So I could see him getting a lot of playing time there, uh, swinging out of the backfield and – all of that so no, yeah I agree that's where I see him getting his most playing time I agree and there have also I, this isn't official so don't quote me but there have been rumors around the world of maybe Anthony tr- changing positions to a slot receiver or some sort I wouldn't necessarily go as far as to say that yet Devin Barrett that's Devin, what it sounds like and I kind of actually hate the fact that Devin Barrett even moved out of the backfield because in his first season of 2017 the outside sweeps he was he was pretty Solid. darn good yeah especially in that old miss game um so I wouldn't rule Anthony, Mark Anthony Richards out of the question yet of being in that uh, conversation. But real quick, I'll give you one guess, Jacob. Who is Auburn's, in, in terms of scoring rushing touchdowns, who Auburn's leading uh, returner is in rushing touchdowns? Ooh, that's a tough one. Is it Malik Miller? No. Okay. From last year. From last year? Sorry, I should have clarified. From okay. just last year. Okay, then it's probably got to be DJ Williams. It's Bo Nix. Oh, wow. Bo Nix had seven rushing touchdowns last year. Malik uh, Miller himself last year had zero rushing touchdowns. Yeah, I remember he had a few two years ago. So now, that's what... yes. Now in running back, 
uh, talking just running backs, Sean Shivers returns with the most with three. And then you have DJ with two. Uh, and then it comes down to Sean Shivers. I mean, he had three. Harold Joyner only had one rushing touchdown last year. So, And that's something else to keep in mind with Chad Morris being in town now. Gus Malzahn said in his press conference, somebody asked him, well, last year he said it was a mistake to let go of play calling duties. Why have you given the reins over to Morris? And he made the comment of, well, you just don't hire, in my opinion, the best offensive coordinator in college football and not give him the power to do so. So it'll be interesting to see how how much free reign Morse has. And I think he will probably have some of the most free reign that any offensive coordinator under Gus's power that he has ever had. Easily, because I truly think he didn't trust the other three guys. He did not trust Lashley. He did not trust Lindsey Lindsay or Dillingham like he does Morse. I think he looked at them as you know, those young hot shots that are – New went to coaching, they're figuring things out, whereas he knows Morris can get it done. He got it done at Clemson, and that's a big deal. He did that with Todd Boyd, and a little he recruited Deshaun Watson. Yeah. So. And he recruited the elite receivers that went through Clemson at that time as well. And I wouldn't even necessarily say taking advantage of those younger coordinators. I think it's more so of him knowing, if I get these younger guys in here, I can teach them something along the way and do things my way. Um, but real quick, to reference that tweet I was talking about earlier, it was Josh Vitale. I believe it's Vitale. He got mad about it. It's not Vitale because that's what Dick 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 Vitale said. So I think it's Josh Vitale. He's an Auburn Beat reporter for the Montgomery Advisor and part of the USA Today Network. Uh, He tweeted out yesterday on National Signing Day at 920, Auburn's defensive line depth. So if you're questioning the defensive line depth, here you go. By class. Senior, Big Cat Bryant. T.D. Moultrie, Tyrone Truesdale, and Daquan Newkirk, who all played very valuable minutes in the past few years. A junior, the, the... Lone juniors, Coinus Miller. The returning sophomores are Derek Hall, Jared Handy, and Caleb Johnson, who Derek Hall, as a freshman last year, played a lot of minutes. Redshirt freshman Colby Wooden, who uh, had personal issues and injuries to where he couldn't play last year. And then the freshman class coming in, Dre Butler, Marquise Burks, Jay Hardy, Zykevious Walker, who people are saying he could be an immediate impact, Romello Height, and Daniel Foster Allen. So no question to uh, worry about this Auburn defensive line depth going into next year but real quick Jake before we go to the break it's 410 we have a few minutes I don't know if you have it in front of you but here I have the whole signing class give me give me two or three names outside of Tank Bigsby who you're really excited about well you gotta be excited about I like the offensive linemen I think they're gonna come it in it was a huge O-line class yeah yeah the, it had to be after what happened after losing everyone last year but other than that I'm gonna have to look at probably uh Eric Reed. Yeah, he's a guy that they flipped on on the early signing period, signing day, and he's a four star safety. He can come in and play a lot of time because you're you're plugging in Smoke Monday and Jamie and Sherwood. It's gonna be their first years of starting, so I would expect to see him playing a lot next year in that backup role. Yeah, uh, somebody that I'm really excited about. I I doubt he'll play a lot of minutes this this year just because of all the bodies at this position. At wide receiver, Kobe Hudson, yeah. six foot, 185 pounds out of Troop County High School in Pine Mountain, Georgia. This dude did, hardly played wide receiver last year because he was playing quarterback, but this, he's probably the most athletic kid in the class offensively. I mean, he's going to play wide receiver as well, but I don't know, you definitely remember him, but I don't know if you remember how they used him, but Stanton Truett a few years ago, yes. I see him being in that role. A slot guy with a lot of speed that can get out and get out in the coverage and get get the ball downfield. I'm really excited about him, as well as somebody that a lot of people aren't talking about is Zevion Capers, another wide receiver that's 6'4", nearly 200, at Alpharetta, Georgia. 
he had a big season with uh, highly touted quarterback Aaron McLaughlin, who's a four-star. So there's a lot of excitement about this class. Yeah, Definitely I, one of my favorites under Malzahn. I think one other guy I want to talk about, Romello Height. He's a three-star offensive line, or excuse me, outside linebacker. He's from Dublin, Georgia. Guy has a chance to play a little bit. I mean, because he can move around. This guy, he's 6'5", 216. He can play wherever. So and he was close to committing to uh, Miami. Yes, because he was talking about Miami the, right before he signed with Auburn. So it'll be interesting to see what they can do with specific, the guys I talked about, Reed and Hyatt. It'll be interesting to see what they do with them. You know, you know what the really interesting thing with this class will be? How they use J.J. Pagues, a 6'2", 300-pound tight end in the Gus Malzahn offense. Gus said they're going to throw it to the tight end now. It'll probably be like a um, like a Tucker Brown sort of situation. Well, the thing about, I know he said yesterday, he said he's heard the fans complain about not throwing the tight end. He said, it's here. Yeah, it's here. They're going to use them. On the other side of the break, folks, we are going to talk the NBA trade deadline going down today. A lot of big names being moved around the league. Don't go anywhere. You can get all that coverage here on the scoreboard, WEGL 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the scoreboard here on Weagle 91.1 FM or WeagleFM.com, where we're getting into the NBA trade deadline. That occurred two hours ago, 3 o'clock Eastern, 2 o'clock Central. Bay Marks and myself, Jacob Hillman, are going to get into it. And, you, know, you might call this Adrian Wojnarowski Day because Woj Bomb. All the Woj Bombs were dropping today. and It was an interesting trade deadline. I think it felt like there were, I guess, not today necessarily, but yesterday and today, it felt like there was a lot more coming out than usual. Do you enjoy Woj Bombs more for trade deadlines or free agency? Last year's free agency was insane. Yeah, because it was the year of Paul George, Kawhi, uh, Katie, Kyrie. Yeah, I don't know. But I guess n- normally I would enjoy the trade deadline. But then again, the Woj Bombs on free agency seem a little more surprising. Because yeah. sometimes you really don't know what's going to happen. Because yeah. you hit so many different people saying different things that when he comes out with it, you know what's actually happening. Whereas trade deadlines, you kind of get a good sense of what's about to happen. Sometimes there's surprises, but... Today's his favorite and also least favorite day of the year. I love watching... Like, last night, they were they had a game, and they were... Sage Steele was in studio with them. And this is when he looks down at his phone. He pulled his earpiece out and answered the phone. <laughs> yeah. And I think it was details about the Memphis and Miami trade about Iguodala. So he, was, he got, like, literally... He... They cut away back to the game, and he sent out a tweet about yeah. some other detail. So, uh, Brian Windhorse today on the jump, uh, he, him and Ramona Shelburne were guests on the jump today, and they constantly, especially right towards that trade deadline, like thirty half an hour before it started uh, or before it was about to conclude, they were both just constantly looking down on their phone until they had to be addressed personally, like, "Hey, Brian, like, what do you think about so and so?" and then look up at his phone but it's a fun time of the year uh this is i guess you could say the time where uh pretenders could possibly become contenders and uh Very true. teams that are on the brink like the miami heat and the clippers making moves today and they could potentially become contenders as well the interesting thing is that there are a lot of teams that are not contenders making moves so the hawks my lord i mean they have like a four timberwolves. timberwolves yeah i mean oh like just a List the Hawks one. The Hawks got Clint Capella and center Nene from the Rockets and gave up. Lord, I can't even find them, but they gave up, uh, I think maybe a second round pick or something. They gave up not much to get those two guys, but then the Rockets got Robert Covington, Jordan Bell from the Warriors, the Timberwolves got Malik Beasley, Juan, I cannot say this name, Hernan Gomez, 
Evan Turner, Jared Vanderbilt in the 2021st rounder. The Nuggets got Gerald Green, Shabazz Napier, Noah Vonley in the first round pick. I mean that that's a four team trade. Yeah, don't see those a lot. Yeah, it's it's. It, it, I told you this when we were in the break. It reminds me of the Mellow deal in 2011. I believe it was, I don't know how many teams it was, but I think it was a three-team, 12-player deal, which is yeah. nuts. So, yeah, I, I love deals like that. But, yeah, a lot has happened today. Um, I guess, well, the biggest one was about Andre Iguodala, especially with all the stuff on Twitter lately, which I kind of don't understand. Yeah. I wouldn't say it was the biggest. I would say the I think D-Lo. I think it was up until d is yeah, what exactly. I'm trying to say. Yeah, so... Uh, the Miami deal with Andre Godala, the Miami Heat agreed to trade Dion Waiters, Justice Winslow, and James Johnson to the Memphis Grizzlies for Andre Godala, Solomon Hill, and Jay Crowder as well. Uh, the Timberwolves, Timberwolves later acquired Johnson from the Grizzlies in exchange for Gorgie Ding. Sources told Adrian Wojnarowski, along with along with the trade, Iguodala agreed to a two-year, thirty million dollar extension on his contract with the Heat. So the Heat on the brink of busting through the ceiling of the East. Because look at it right here. And pull it up. So the East, the Heat are in fourth, nine games back at first with the Bucks for forty-three and seven. They're thirty-four and sixteen, a game behind the Celtics for the three seed, and only uh, two and a half games behind the Raptors for the two seed. Getting an experienced guy like Andre Iguodala, who's been to the finals, who's going to give you valuable points and minutes, especially even if it's off the bench, that's huge for a team that has Jimmy Butler and other younger players on it that can help push them through to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting trade because uh, looking at just the names, you think, okay, this is pretty good for both teams. But looking at a little bit deeper, Winslow's injured, Waiters is suspended. So I I think looking toward the future, this is good for the Grizzlies. But right now when they're trying to get that eight seed and get in the playoffs with the way John Morant and Jackson – Jaron Jackson Jr. And the guy from Oregon. The guy that just Dylan signed to Yeah, Dylan Brooks. Yeah. They, the way they are playing, I don't know if I like it that much. Because Drake, Jay Crowder was playing pretty well. And yeah. he was playing solid minutes in a great role. But I'm not even a huge on Justice Winslow, though, either. Came out of Duke. I think he's a solid. He was the top piece. five pick, I think. Yeah, he was. And he, I don't know. I think he's more of a small forward than I'd consider him a power forward. Um, I don't know. He he's definitely a young guy that has the potential, and I can see it working out with Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant and Dylan Brooks. I I don't think I necessarily looked at it the way that you just described it. With I mean Memphis, they're trying to get through to the Western Conference Finals. Like you mentioned, they're eighth with a twenty six and twenty five record. Um, I mean they've been on a roll, so and they're only like a few games back at the seven six. Their last ten games are seven and three. Yeah, so. To do all this, which I guess with all the drama, you never know what was going to happen. They might go on a 10-game losing streak with that drama. But I just see them like kind of accepting the eight seed. And who knows what's going to happen. They might even drop out of the playoffs if like losing those key minutes from Jay Crowder. So I don't know if I necessarily like this trade for the Grizzlies. I see how Winslow or Waiters could contribute at some point down the road. But right now, it's not that good. Another trade in the NBA today that we mentioned, probably the biggest trade of the day. Well, there's a lot of big trades today. I was going to say. <laughs> the Warriors and the Timberwolves are going to trade D'Angelo Russell from Golden State to Minnesota for Andrew Wiggins. And there's also the Warriors are going to get a 2021 top three projected first round draft pick and a 2021 second round pick. And they will send Jacob Evans and Amari Spellman to the Timberwolves as well. So uh, D'Angelo Russell teaming up with cat Carl Anthony Town to they've been big buddies since they dra- were drafted number one and number two overall a few years ago 
it's interesting because this is soon after Cat came out with the quote of "I'm tired of this explicitive, you know." Well, he hasn't losing. He hasn't won. <laughs> yeah, like, they've lost thirteen straight games, <laughs> and he said, "I'm tired of it," which is understandable. Um, and the, this Timberwolves team that, after the implode of Jimmy Butler last year, just cannot seem to get out of the deep end of the water. And uh, I, I guess D'Angelo Russell, with the spark he's had in the NBA the past few years, is something that they're hoping uh, can help them out. Now, on the other side, you have Andrew Wiggins with the Warriors team that have given up on this year, obviously, because of Clay and Steph. Um, the big thing is that they get a first-round, uh, top-three protected first-round yeah. pick and a second-round pick in 2021. That's what I was going with. Was the, big thing. the draft picks thing is probably bigger than Andrew Wiggins itself. Andrew Wiggins will probably start next year. <laughs> because they're trash. Because they're trash. But think about it. Next year, they'll have Steph, Clay, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, as well as Looney. When he's healthy, yeah. But I, I that was the point I was about to make was the draft picks. I think is probably the biggest winner at this deal for the Warriors. Yeah, because man, the Warriors they are so, they're so bad, bad this year. But it's yeah, I it's, don't, it's you don't expect this to make much of an impact. I mean, man, I'd be scared if I was a Warriors fan. Wiggins, who knows? He might just need to change his scenery. He's going to come in and ball out, and you're going to win <laughs> the four games are. in a row. Yeah, and who knows? Well, he was insane in high school. Do you remember that? Yes. In high school, in high school, he was insane. Got to Kansas, it was like. Hasn't lived up to the potential, but we're still going to draft, draft him in the top 10 and then whatever he's doing now. But that's one of the other big deals of the day. And then also the L.A. Clippers, the second team in L.A., 36-15, three games back of first place from the Los Angeles Lakers. Them, the New York Knicks, and the Washington Wizards in a three-team deal have agreed to trade Marcus Morris and Isaiah Thomas to the Clippers. And Jerome Robinson is going to join the Wizards, while the Knicks will receive Mo Harkless and a 2020 first-round draft pick, and I believe two other players. I believe. I'm probably I mean, wrong. The Knicks are getting Harkless and two draft picks. The Wizards are getting Jerome Robinson. So, it's just all I can wonder is how are the Knicks going to screw up these draft picks? The the Knicks are... Ooh, there's been some jumps fired. Their president... I really don't know what to think of the Knicks. It's I mean, funny because a year ago during free agency, we thought, okay, they could get Zion, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie. Didn't get a single one of them. I can't help but laugh. Because there's such a dumpster fire and like it's such a story franchise that you're like, okay, they'll eventually get better. But I don't know if they'll get better in the next ten years. No. They are in so such a bad position. Can I can I say something that I'm sorry but it'll make you feel bad? They have a better record than the Hawks. Oh, I do I know the Hawks are bad. <laughs> They're in a better position that they are gonna be better in the next three years. They have one though. of the NBA's best players, which stinks. And the Hawks. The Hawks are going to get better in the next three years. I'm confident in that. Yeah, it's just the Knicks. They're it's just a recycling process of Beating yourself up, beating yourself up, beating yourself up. I mean, they're 15 and 36, 28 and a half games back out of first place. But I think Marcus Morris is going to be a piece that the Clippers will find very useful come playoff time. If you remember the first game of the NBA season, granted it was the first game with no Paul George, this act actually makes it a bigger impact. The Clippers won in Stable Center against the fresh couple of LeBron and Anthony Davis. And you would think that the that the Lakers would be the finals favorites right now, but I think especially with this addition, you have to argue the Clippers because they have so much more bench support yeah. than the Lakers do. Marcus Morris is going to be a guy. He, I mean, I don't think he'll start, no. but he'll easily come off the bench. I mean, he's averaging 20 points per game. He was carrying the Knicks. Whenever they won, it's because he scored like 30 points. Yeah. So he's going to be able to come off the bench in situations when they need a spark or something like that or when – Kawhi or Paul George is sitting, and he's going to be able to fall out and carry the Clippers to a win if he has to. So I, I, I think this, tra- this trade helps the Clippers a ton. ESPN already has his team listed as the LA Clippers, number 13 forward, which 
I don't think he could be 13 because Paul George is. Yes, that's correct. Um, but yeah, 19.6 points per game, 5.4 rebounds, and under two assists. A PER of 16.74, which ranks 83rd in the NBA. Um, and it's it's kind of weird to think because L- the Clippers have always been the little brother to the Lakers. And you would think with everything that has happened with the Lakers organization in the past two weeks that somehow this would be their year. At least you would hope it would be as a sports fan. Just try to storybook ending to this year. But the L.A. Clippers, man, I mean, with Doc Rivers at the helm, with that front office, and like I said, the the support off the bench, I mean, is something that the Lakers lack. That's that's going to be their Achilles heel, and that's going to be the strength of the Clippers come playoff time. And adding Marcus Morris just makes that case so much stronger. I don't know. One more trail I want to look at. All right, go ahead. Pistons finally got rid of Andre Drummond. <laughs> they did finally get rid of Andre Drummond. And they also might be getting rid of Blake Griffin come 2021 because he'll be a free agent next year. Yeah, the, the thing about Drummond, though, is just he's he feels like he's old, but he's not. He's 26. That's my jaw drops. 26? He's really? 26 years old. He looks old. like he's about 32. Yeah, I mean, and he's having a career year. And it's just like it feels like they've been trying to get rid of him for so long. Yeah. He's averaging 17.8 points per game and 15.8 rebounds per game. The Cavs are going to do pretty good the rest of the year. I would imagine with him not going to be good enough to make the I mean, it is the East. Who knows? They low-key might somehow make, might the make the playoffs. Yeah. Let's see. Where are they? Where, where are the Cavs at? The Cavs are right behind oh, they the Oh, the worst record in the league. Never mind. Second yeah, worst 13 and 39. The Warriors are the worst with 12 and 40. To be fair, oh, never mind. They're, they're 10 games back. They'd have to go on an absolute tear. Technically 10 and a half. I want the Cavs to make the playoffs. That'd be hilarious. Sick. It'd be hilarious. Anyway, but that's good for the future. The Cavs are looking good with this pickup because he's going to be able to get in the system, play with Garland and Sexton, and I guess Love. I don't know what they're going to do with Love. He's got like three years and 90 mil left on his contract, okay. which I don't they know. They have a lot of options Yeah, him. They can do whatever with him. Yeah. So he's going to be able to get accustomed to life in Cleveland, which is not fun, and then accustomed with this team that's very young. And next year, you never know what they're going to have because they're probably going to have a top three pick. A lot. They're going to have a very high lottery pick. I think the Cavs have a chance to be really good yeah, soon. They do, so. and that and that's that's a good point to make. Is you know they have they have some different options with some great different young players, Colin Sexton, uh, Garland, Seti Osman. I mean, they have different players that they could put in different places. Um, do they make the playoffs? Gosh, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I, and I guess another big question, I mean, we have to go to break soon, was also did L.A. do the right thing by the Lakers, that is doing the right thing by not trying to trade uh, for Derrick Rose? Some say, yeah. Some say that it was right for them to just sit back and watch. I think so. I mean, the the point guard situation there is weird. With, with They had Rondo, right? He's not is yeah. he playing. I don't they're fine with LeBron and Anthony Davis running the show. I and, would be. And not making any crazy moves right before the trade deadline. So... On the other side of the break, we're going to recap the Super Bowl and look ahead to the NFL offseason and the biggest storylines coming from there. So you're listening to Scoreboard on Wheel 91.1 FM. Welcome back to the Scoreboard, folks, on WEGL 91.1 FM. Or if you're streaming to me and Jacob Hillman live on WEGLFM.com, we welcome you to the show out of the bottom of the hour break. If you want to call and be a part of the scoreboard, 334-844-9345. 334-844-9345 is where you can find us. Getting into the second half of the show, kicking it off with the Super Bowl. Kicking it off with the Super Bowl. It was an interesting Super Bowl, I'll say. I think it was was very lackluster until probably the 
third or fourth this quarter. It started off great. Yeah, it did. And then second and third quarter was kind of like focusing on the halftime show, which was, <laughs> I guess, one for the ages with Shakira and J-Lo. That, that is but, true. Side, side note, A-Rod was there. He was in the audience yeah, jumping he, up and down with all the paid high. actors. Yes. Um, That's what I love. All, all these paid actors and, and then A-Rod, A-Rod going nuts. Yeah. Uh, so anyway... Um, Long story short, Kansas City Chiefs come from behind, down 20-10. So their third time being down this postseason. They were down 24 to nothing against the Texans. They're down by 10, I think, to the Titans at home yeah. in the AFC Championship game. And now in the biggest stage of all of football, come back down 20-10 to in the fourth quarter, I think with like six-something left and won 31-20 to with 21 unanswered points. Down double digits in every playoff game, but won every playoff game by it's double incredible. digits. I mean, that's not something you would expect. See, I thought... The Titans were going to get them in the AFC Championship. I, the Cinderella I, story? For sure. And it, just the way Kansas City hadn't been able to defend the run all year. And I thought, all right, this Tennessee offense to be able to control the ball and control the clock. With and Derrick Henry. Not let Pat Mahomes get on the field, but Derrick Henry only had 69 rushing yards, and they were not able to keep Mahomes off the field, and that was the big thing. So, Yeah, I, I agree. I really thought AFC Championship game was really setting up for an um, for an upset. Um and then my Packers got beat like a drum in the NFC Championship. So we got a red on red, uh, San Francisco, Kansas City, Super Bowl. Um, Patrick Mahomes is your MVP despite throwing two costly picks. Finished with 286, two touchdowns, two picks, was named the game's MVP. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, on the other hand, 20 of 31, 219 yards, one touchdown through two interceptions as well. Um, and really, I think the biggest shocker for me from the San Francisco side of things is I think – Late, they didn't really try and run the ball. Well, it doesn't surprise me because Kyle Shanahan's their coach. Hey, twenty-eight to three. Yes, I, in reality, yes, it surprised me. Like, how does he not learn from that mistake? Well, especially the way that uh, Mostert played against the Packers. I mean, he ran it down their throat. It's like, yeah, no, let's give it to Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, that George Kittle wasn't really able to do anything the whole game. Travis Kelsey proved why he was the best tight end in the game. Yes. So I don't know. And Kyle Shanahan, that becomes a second blown Super Bowl, I guess you could say. I mean, blue ten point lead. That doesn't happen in yeah. the fourth quarter of Super Bowls. Yeah. It's not supposed to. Well, Kansas City reigned supreme at the top of the football world. Which, if you would have told me that after Patrick Mahomes got hurt and they lost at home to the Packers, which it was still a close game, but if you would have told me that after Patrick Mahomes got hurt, I think they started three and zero, and then I think they skidded to three and three. And if you would have told me they would have won the Super Bowl after that, I would have said you're nuts. Uh, and they did. They come out victorious, and they are the winners of the Super Bowl in the Centennial National Football League season. So does Patrick Mahomes keep this up? Does he become the superstar of the league? Is he the guy, the face of the league for the next five-plus years? 100%. Lamar Jackson's not going to take that over? Well, Lamar Jackson will be up there with him, but he will be one of the faces. I don't think he slows down. Here's why. Tom Brady, if he doesn't retire, if he doesn't stay in New England either, wherever he goes will slow down, burn off steam. Big Ben's probably done. Phillip Rivers is probably done. Shoot, Drew Brees will be a free agent, and his career's coming to an end. Then all you have really is Russell Wilson and A-Rod. I mean, A-Rod's getting up there in age, and Russell Wilson, I mean, he's a pretty good quarterback, but not anything compared to what we've seen from Mahomes the past few weeks. Uh, my thing also is it doesn't even have to be with Andy Reid. Now, Andy Reid's one yeah. of the best offensive minds in football, but think about it. Patrick Mahomes is 24. And his span of being an NFL starter in two years has won an MVP, Super Bowl MVP, and a Super Bowl, and has made the AFC Championship game twice, winning it once. Sat out his first year behind Alex Smith, correct? Yeah, learned a lot from, late. Yeah, learned a lot from Alex Smith. Now with everything he's learned from Andy Reid, 
if he stays, let's say he stays in Kansas City the rest of his career and Andy Reid doesn't, let's say Andy Reid retires or moves on or whatever, he has all that he's learned from those two very influential guys with him for the rest of his career. Yeah, and he, I think he's got the weapons too around him. 100%. He's set up for you success. You have Travis Kelsey. How old is Travis Kelsey? I don't think he's that old. It says he was drafted in 2013, so he's he's 30. So he's getting up there. Yeah, he is 30. Okay. But he's got a few more years. Yeah, him for a few more years. You have Sammy Watkins, who's still a young receiver. Damian Williams, who's proven himself in the NFL. And then you have this defense, who isn't the best in the NFL, probably mediocre at best, but they showed up in the playoffs after giving up some early leads. And I think they can easily fix that yeah. in the draft and free agency and maybe make a few trades. Because, also, I mean, Damian Williams is proving himself, and he shouldn't be replaced, but... You could probably have an upgrade there. I was gonna say, I think, I think in the draft you might want to draft a running back within the first few rounds just for that support. Because I mean, when Davian Williams wasn't playing, he was questionable a few games. It was kind of like we have no run game prediction. I would almost say wait till next year because of all the running backs coming back. Yeah, because Najee, Travis Etienne, and Chuba Hubbard are coming back for their senior year. So you almost want to just say, you know what, let's ride out Damian Williams till at least next year and see what you can do in the draft because. If they were good enough next year, I don't see any of those three guys going to the top 20. And the Chiefs will probably be in the late 20s, and they'll be able to pick up a running back, one of those three. I am looking at it from round. that perspective. That's a good perspective. Uh, I mean, the secondary, you have Tyran Matthew, maybe add a few more bodies there, yeah. as well as the linebacker position. I mean, D-line looked fine in the Super Bowl. That is true. No complaints there. It just overall, this Chiefs team really kind of picked it up midseason, I think. You know, Pat Mahomes really told them, hey, like, we need to get this get this show rolling. And they did. And uh, like we said, they win the Super Bowl 31-20 to 20 now. Before we go to break, the real question is, where does this team stand in the likes of things in the AFC next year? At the top. I think... You the, think Baltimore isn't already up there? I think the Ravens are... I think... I hope we'll see a Ravens-Chiefs AFC Championship next year. Yeah, I was going to say, could you, could you argue that the Ravens were blindsided by the run game of Tennessee? Oh, absolutely. I don't think I don't think until now here's an issue. Is so last year after Lamar Jackson just absolutely had a horrible playoff game and was like, Oh, he can't throw, then he came and dominated the league. But I mean he didn't show it in the divisional round. Yeah. He played awful again. I mean, we need to see Lamar Jackson play well in the playoffs next year. See, that's the difference. Everyone I think we saw that thing where, you know, Lamar Jackson versus Patrick Mahomes, you know. First year, you start late in the season, make it to the playoffs. Second year, you win NFL MVP, make it to the playoffs. Well, the difference is Mahomes made it to the AFC Championship. Lamar Jackson got destroyed by a wild card. Game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I think Kansas City does sit atop the AFC, but I think Baltimore's right behind them. Because other teams you have are going to be Houston, which Houston's offense isn't. Deshaun needs so much help. Yeah. Because I want to put him up there. All he Mahomes has is DeAndre Jackson. Hopkins. Exactly. The O-line needs work. He's been sacked more than any quarterback he, in the league. He needs a running back. See, Houston would be up there. And if Tom Brady comes back to New England, they're always going to be up there too. I don't know. And as well as Big Ben, there's a lot of variables in, in the AFC. The NFC, I guess you can kind of already picture it. San Francisco will probably be back up there as well as Green Bay and Seattle. Saints. Saints. Now Dallas. With Mike McCarthy being the addition, could they make a run and possibly be the NFC champions? I won't go that far, but I think they'll definitely win the division next year. I think Dak's going to have – well, I don't know what they're going to do with Dak. I don't know if he's going to be... Because he was the MVP for the first few weeks this year. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to be ticked off. I don't know if he's going to be motivated. I don't know what his mindset's going to be going into the year because I don't know what they're going to do with him. I don't know if they're just going to franchise tag him. I don't know if they're going to give him the $40 million. I don't think they Shouldn't. should, yeah. and they won't. Yeah. So I just don't know what it's going to be like in Dallas. 
after this offseason drama is over because they had it last year. They started off fine, but then everything went downhill from there. It's almost like they have this fog hanging over their head. Absolutely. Like they have the expectations of everybody being, everybody in the league being the most talented. Like these guys should be literally making the championship game they really every year. They should be. And they're not. Uh, but Jason Garrett's out. Kellen Moore's still there. Mike McCarthy retained him. I think he's a good young offensive mind. I think he'll be a head coach sooner than we think because he's going to prove what he can do with this Cowboys team. And seems like yesterday he was at Boise State when Cam Newton crazy. was back at Auburn. That's crazy to think that he was up for the Heisman or he was in the Heisman talk. Heisman talk. He was BCS Busters more so because I mean you're not going to give up Heisman to the guy who can only yeah. throw it like 40 yards in the air. Hey, he was a lefty though. That that that's cool. I look, always I love, love a lefty quarterback. Him. I love watching him in college. So oh. I'm not going to. I'm not going to shun him too much for his arm strength. So Can I ask you one more question before we go to break about the NFL? What's that? We won't talk about the NFL for a while on this show. Where's Cam in 2020? I'm going to say he's with the Panthers. I think Matt Rule is going to keep him. He's listening to the fans. I think he knows his abilities, and that if he gets healthy, Cam can lead the Panthers to the promised land. On the other side of the break, we will break down Auburn. Welcome in LSU for a top 20 matchup in the SEC this weekend in Auburn Arena. 11 a.m. battle for first place in the SEC. Don't go anywhere. This is Jacob Hillman and Bay Marks live on the scoreboard. WEGL. Final segment here on the scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM. Jacob Hillman sitting alongside Bay Marks on this gloomy Thursday evening. Ugly Thursday evening. Weather's just terrible. Just nasty. The past few days has been bad, but... I don't know. Guess the weekend what? is looking brighter. It's yes. colder, but it's yes. brighter. Well, the jungle's also going to be rocking on Saturday morning, just like it was last Saturday evening when college game day came into town and Auburn defeated the Kentucky Wildcats. And these Tigers are rolling after a... I missed the game. I had an assignment for my reporting class where I was not able to watch the game. Are we talking about Arkansas. Tuesday night's game? Yes. You're, you poor soul. I saw where Javon, I, I watched the highlights and saw where Javon just went Super Saiyan with his 55. Let him wear a 555 for, for love with of God. no name on the back. No name, baggy jersey. I think the jersey's too tight for him. Give him 55, the exact same one he wore Tuesday night, and let him play with it. Well, yeah. Coming well, off that win, it's gonna, it, Jungle's going to be rocking on Saturday because it's a game for first place. Now, obviously, two years ago, you can argue about the sharing championships and crap, but if you win this game, you win the championship. 100%, because you don't play LSU again. Exactly. Auburn won the 2018 regular season SEC championship because they beat Tennessee on the road. Now, of course, the excuse this year will be, oh, Auburn got to play at home, but whatever. What really matters is that you get the one seed if you have these tiebreakers over the other teams. 100%, and that's what Auburn had until they... We're not going to talk about that. Never mind. Bad memories. Um, You mentioned the jungle being rocking. Can we just give a a very brief story before we get into Auburn LSU to the to everybody listening about the jungle Saturday morning? Let me get go right. ahead. This is first first off. Me and Jacob are roommates, obviously, as everybody knows, and we normally get to the games around the same time if we don't ride together. Sometimes he likes to get there a little bit earlier than I do, but we still stand in line together. He didn't have to get there till seven forty five Saturday due to privilege for you know being to a lot of the home games, which I'm not going to get into that because I'm kind of salty, but. <laughs> I, me, my other roommate, and a couple of hometown friends decided, uh, hey, let's get to the game uh, around 5.15, 5.30 in the morning to go to game day, and then as soon as game day is over, let's grab a bite to eat and get back in line with our wristbands, because you had to go to game day to get a wristband. Me and my roommates got there at 5.15, and if you know where Auburn Arena is, we were in line all the way back up to Village Dining at 5.15 a.m. We finally got in, sat on the side behind the basket because it was so packed. 
went and got back in line after game day ended, after we got food. Uh, we're to- more towards the front of the line and got close to our normal seats in the front. Um, but we were, I was at Auburn Arena for the good portion of 15 hours yeah. last Saturday morning. And I, I was on. I was deprived of sleep so bad. Very thankful that game day doesn't make their games at 7 o'clock. Yeah. Because, you know, I sit there and I'm like, man, it'd be nice to have that at night. No. I'm glad it's at 5 o'clock. I wish it was earlier. I wish it was at 3 o'clock. Yeah. I mean, the game ended at 7.45-ish and took me about the good, good part of over half an hour to get home. Finally got home. Um, and then I was ready to go to bed. But nonetheless, Auburn... Came out victorious against Kentucky, 75-66. to 66. Uh, The big things coming out of that game, Samir Dowdy with 23, Isaac Okoro coming in late with 14. Also, Wiley absolutely dominating the SEC Player of the Year leader, and Nick, Richard had, Nick Richards had 12 points and 10 rebounds to compliment him. And, I mean, Kentucky, I mean, they had the lead after halftime, but in the second half, it was especially towards the end, Auburn just took control of that game. And especially after getting an overtime win at Arkansas Tuesday night, uh, in overtime, 79-66, a place that has not been kind to Auburn lately. Auburn versus LSU this weekend, it's going to be, should be favorable for the Tigers. Yeah, absolutely. I think BPI BPI gives them a 68.6% chance to win. I think that's about right. This LSU team, after a loss to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt had not won in almost two years in the SEC. 26-game losing streak. So, to be fair, it is about time. Vanderbilt was ready to win. They should have stormed the court. The 40 fans in attendance should have stormed the court. They should have stormed the crap out of Memorial Gymnasium. They should have jumped over. Oh. Do you like Memorial Gymnasium? No, it's awful. I don't either. It is trash. Having the Just making sure. It's so... I want to go, though. It's almost as cavernous as Coleman, but it's not. It's just wooden bleachers and the freaking benches on the baseline. Stupid. I feel like it's straight up as well. Like, yeah. the ceiling is... It's a bucket list. I want to go. Not a fan of it, but I do want to go. But... Uh, yeah, you mentioned they beat LSU uh, last night. The team leaders for LSU this year in points, Skylar Mays, 15.3 rebounds. Darius Days with 7.4. Javante Smart is one to look out for on offense with 4.4 rebounds a game. And then down low, Emmett Williams, I believe uh, he was on the team last year. He has 1.5 blocks a game, and I think last year he gave Auburn some trouble in the Bayou. So uh, this will be a – I think this will be a super fun That's game. That's another big thing, I think. I think a lot of these guys, I mean, the, the entire starting four, I shouldn't say five – Biggest Isaac wasn't here last year, but Anthony included. They want revenge after last year. Yeah. Auburn should have won that game. Auburn played terrible. Auburn played terrible. They Auburn shot themselves in the foot. Two fouls in the last possession. I mean, I sound like I'm making excuses, but I mean, should have won. There were two fouls on the yeah. last possession. So that's what I look at. And I think they're going to want a lot of revenge. And we'll see how this game goes. I mean, they get off to a hot start. Look out. I'm 100% agreeing with you. Um, and an interesting fact. Trenton Watford, I think he dropped 26 at Vanderbilt the other high. Yeah, career high of 26. In high school, he grew up in a hometown high school near us, Mountain Brook High School. Uh, they won several state championships while he was there. They're one of the nationally ranked high school basketball teams. He played in the City of Palms tournament last year against Isaac Okoro. They both came out in the same class. And I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Isaac Okoro held him to four points the entire yep. game in the City of Palms Classic, where Mc- McEachern High School. Uh, Isaac Okoro and Sharif Cooper's high school went on to win the tournament. That is correct. So that'll be an interesting matchup to watch out for on Saturday. Watch Isaac Okoro, number 23, uh, take on number two, Trendon Watford. Trendon has a little bit of a height advantage over him, but they both play really the same kind of hybrid two through four position because uh, they're both kind of small shooting forwards and both from 6'6 six, six to 6'8. Six, uh, so watch for that battle. That'll be my key to the game will be Trendon and him battling down low as well as can the guards step up uh, 
once again without just being Samir Dowdy if Javon McCormick and Jamal Johnson and company can step up and make some big shots. Hey, let him wear 55 and he's going to step up. I promise you. We should text Bruce that. I'll let him know. I'll let him know Wednesday or Saturday morning when he's out there giving us breakfast. Did you see how it got ripped sausages? I did because he like it was kind of weird. So he got pushed. Yeah. And the guy falling had a hold of the jersey. It was weird. I correct me if I'm wrong. He had zero points before it got ripped. Yes. No. He he had four points in the first half, but he had not scored in the second half. Okay. As soon as he got ripped and he put the new jersey on, he came out scored. Yeah. So. Hey, that's when Horace last year against Kentucky did at home when he had blood on his jersey and Horace Spencer went off. Well, it's called a blood jersey. Because no, according that's to Cliff Richardson for. on Twitter, if I remember correctly, he said it's been since 2003 somebody wore that full time. Yeah. So, that's an interesting fact. It, it, it's a... Uh... It's always fun whenever you just think something like that changes the mojo and changes the way he plays. When does it really, though? Does it matter what number you wear? I don't think it does. According to my dad, who's listening still, it doesn't matter. It's like it's like my dad says, we'll be at home watching an Auburn football game, and me and my brother are superstitious because we're former yeah, baseball players. he doesn't players. believe in jinxes. He's like, Bay, it doesn't matter where you sit on the couch. It doesn't matter what shirt you wear. Whatever happens at the game is still going to happen. But I do think that him – I think that could have changed his mindset. Like – it could totally fresh reset. start. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he rips his jersey, and you're like, "What in the world just happened?" Do you think it actually is too tight, like you said? That might be a little. That might be a stretch. Yeah, <laughs> that might be a stretch. But I do think that possibly, like him getting it stretched, like that. That's probably never happened to him before. So he was like, "Wow!" And like, just he has to get back in that game mode, and whatever it was, having to reset, just put him in another mindset and let him play a lot better. I mean, I don't know. I'm not in his mind, but I just imagine if something like that happens to me. I like my mind just goes away from the game for a split second, and I have to reset and get my mind straight. Well, it's so. imperative for him as well as Samir to uh, step up on defense with this Skylar Mays and Javante Smart duo up front at the guard positions on Saturday, defensively and offensively. And uh, it'll be also it'll be imperative for Austin Wiley down low to get something going. Tuesday night was non-existent, and that's terrible because their tallest player on Arkansas was six eight. They don't have Darius Garland anymore. Or not Darius Garland. Um, Gafford. Daniel yeah. Gafford, I believe. Yeah, they don't have him anymore. And it it was a big night for, you know, pass it down low to Austin, but I like the point you made. I believe Bruce said something like, we're having a hard time even getting it to him. I don't think it's a, I think it's a player problem. I, I don't know why, what it is, but they look at him, and it's almost like they're scared to pass it in because they think they're going to turn it over. I think at some point you just got to get it in there. You got to force it in. Because I, when I see it, to me, I'm like, pass it in. Pass it in, but they don't. I think it's one of two things as well. One of the stagnant offense of four out, one in, and everybody passing it around until Austin can work his way open. But I think the second thing it being, I don't know if you've noticed this, Jacob, but he doesn't have the best ability of hanging on to the ball. Uh, yeah, he does not catch the ball well. And whenever he does and he puts the ball on the floor, he usually results it. in a travel. That too. Travel, losing it, getting it swiped away. Um I don't know. Saturday will be fun, though. 11 a.m. tip-off, I believe. Is it on the ESPN network? Probably. Maybe yeah. SEC network. Probably. But it'll be at 11 a.m. tip. We'll be there bright and early. Um, but that'll do it for the scoreboard. you have anything else you want to say? Uh, probably won't be bright. It's cloudy. You know what I mean. <laughs> cloudy and early. 
Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman be at Auburn Arena. But thank you for joining us on the scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM. We will see you next week, Thursday at 4. This has been the scoreboard on 91.1 FM WEGL with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Join us every Thursday at 4 as Jacob and Bay cover all the happenings in sports. You can keep up with all the great shows on Weagle by streaming us on our website at WEGLFM.com and following us on Twitter and Instagram at WEGL underscore AU.